Kicking off in five, four, three, two. Yo, 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 this your boy, T.O. as you know. Yo, it's the motherfucking Fade Podcast, the one-stop shop for everything TV, medium, from related, along with any goddamn thing we want to talk about, coming to you live, direct, quarantine land, what's gully? What's gully? What's gully? I don't know. What was that? <laughs> Latin? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I'm fucking burned out, man. I My brain is going in 18 different fucking ways right now. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Man, so a lot of states are starting to reopen. Um, like, I think, uh, what is it? I think Texas will reopen uh, con- like outdoor concerts or just concerts and events in general. Yeah. Um, I know like the state of New York is planning to reopen soon. Chicago and Atlanta, a lot of those cities are already reopening. Let's say Maryland opens up tomorrow morning. Mm. What's your plan? Not a goddamn thing. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah well. Okay. You're going to keep it cool until like, what confirmation would you need to go back out the house? Uh I don't know. I think I, and I, I've been thinking about that a lot, too, of like what what would I need to feel like chill about it all. Uh, and I think honestly, it's just time. Um, it's just seeing over the course of time that like when everything does get reopened, um, that people just aren't like the next week, like, oh, yeah, we've got 8000 new <laughs> reported cases, uh, you know, of the virus. Um, I think that's the only thing. How about you? I don't really know. I'm just going to need to see like the first two, two to four weeks, like that window. I need to see if the rate of infection like skyrockets or if it's just like steady, if it's steady or if we even still see like the downside of the bell curve where not as many people are getting getting infected even though like cities are reopening then i'll feel comfortable but uh, i do know one thing though until 2021 i'm not fucking with anybody from new york (laughs) because that's like round zero for the coronavirus so if you got on a yankee fitted if you if you drop that i'm from new york be shit around me like i'm fucking gone i'm not talk to new yorkers like i don't care if it's over a zoom call if a New Yorker joins the call, I'm the call. <laughs> I mean, that, that that might be sound advice. I don't know. Uh, that might be well advised to uh, to not do so. Um, it used to be cool to be a New Yorker up until uh, 2020 hit. Now it's uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe even before. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, so let's just jump into to our shit here. Um, you know, no need to uh, to delay the proceedings any. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's get into some streaming, uh, happenings. Uh, let's see what's, what's new in streaming. Uh, so and maybe a quick note. Um, so I, I actually meant to, uh, I was talking to this, you know, one of my friends, uh, hey, shout out to Dan. Um, and, uh, he's got me into this, this vibe now of wanting to really get into like some of the old series that I haven't checked out yet. One of the chief, uh, the chief of which is, uh, uh, Westworld. Cause I just keep hearing everybody talk about it endlessly. So, uh, but I don't know where to put that on a pecking order of like, okay, I've got the time now to obviously to, to watch it or at least 
in theory, I have the time. Uh, so how, how do you feel about like, I know you're starting, you know, or you, you started the wire, but how do you balance yep. that like old stuff and new stuff? Dude, um, you, you know, what's interesting. Like I thought the balance would be a lot more difficult when I started the wire because there's so many like new great shows that I want to watch, mm. but I found that some of those really good shows, right. Um, you know, that are a little bit older. I'm talking about like Sopranos, Sex in the City, you know, something like the West world for me, the wire, uh, nurse, Jackie, all of those, like those classic hits. Once you start them and you realize like, holy shit, like these were really good shows. Like the characters were so strong. The writing was so good. Um, at that point, like th that show will take priority. And then like all of this, like new shit, that's, you know, only one or two seasons in, you can kind of put that on the back burner um, to catch up on like that older, really, really good content. Like I'm, I'm at season three of the wire right now. Mm. And I've put all of the new shows that I was watching on kind of hold um, just because like, you know, like, let's say I'm watching a new sh series on Netflix and it only has two seasons. Like I know I'm good. I can catch up on that really quickly. I can blow through that in, in a weekend. Yeah. Um, but the wire five seasons, like I kind of been dedicating time to it. And for good reason, like I, I see why it's one of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I've been really sort of thinking about that a, a lot myself of like, you know, what to like kind of go for. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think the part, the problem with me is, is that like, I always find myself like trying to catch up. And so like, I think, what I might try to do is kind of do like half and half, like start a series, but like maybe not binge it, but like kind of just like slow creep it and then do that with some other series at the same time so that I don't always feel like I'm like playing catch up, you know, or some shit. So I don't know. I'll figure it out. You, you know what the thing is for me about The Wire? Mm. Like if I'm watching a new series, right? Like let's say it's something on Netflix or Apple TV Plus and it's like a new series and you feel like you have to you know, watch it quickly so you can like join the conversations that your friends are having or join the conversations that you see on social media or not see something on Instagram as you're scrolling through that ruins it for you because you're like four episodes behind, right? Mm -hmm. with, with this show that I'm watching, The Wire, like I don't feel that pressure because this shit is like 10 years old, you know? Yeah. So nothing is going to ruin it for me. Yeah. Uh, and so it's very easy for me to just watch like one or two episodes a day. I may go like two or three days without watching an episode Then I'll watch like one or two more really low pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily feel pressure. It's just, I, I kind of want to be done it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you start something like you always just want to be like, all right, I did it. It's over. We don't have to talk about it anymore. It's not like a thing anymore. Let's move the fuck on with our lives. Uh, so I think that's kind of how I feel uh, about, um, you know, uh, yeah, uh, about uh, watching some of the older shit. But nonetheless, uh, we proceed. Um, so let's talk about what's coming out uh, this particular week on streaming services. Uh, on HBO, we've got uh, Natalie Wood, uh, What Remains Behind. Uh, and then on Hulu, we have Into the Dark uh, Delivered, a uh, new episode premiere. Then we have uh, Solar Opposites, uh, which is a series premiere, uh, Hulu original. Uh, and then we have on Amazon Prime, we have Jimmy O. Yang, uh, Good Deal, uh, which I'm assuming is some sort of uh, comedy special. Uh, then we have, uh, it, and this is kind of like a 
a throwback, uh, but this uh, Goldfinch, uh, the Goldfinch uh, with the dude, uh, and I forget his name, but he was in um, The Fault in Our Stars, unless I'm mistaken. Yep. Uh, no, go ahead. No, I was saying, I'm, I've, 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 I remember the this show, but I don't, I forget who was in it. Uh, for The Goldfinch? Yeah. I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think, it, I don't know if it's a show, I think it's a movie. Uh, that came out last year and it was about a dude. I think that like there was some accident, maybe like a, he like lost his dad or something like that. And like the whole movie's like him, like dealing with that trauma or some shit like that. I, I, I actually wanted to watch it, um, but I just never got around to it. And I think the dude's name is um, uh, uh, Ansel Elgort uh, is, and, uh, and it also stars Sarah Paulson. But uh, yeah, anyways, um, on Netflix, <laughs> 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 yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I mean, I wanted to watch shit. it. <laughs> uh, it sounded like you shitted on the project. I was like, yeah. Anyway. No, no, no. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to shit on the project at all. Uh, but uh, we have uh, Jerry Seinfeld uh, on. On this is on Netflix now. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Twenty Three Hours to Kill. I think I believe it's a uh, new Netflix uh, stand-up special. But uh, I cannot confirm nor deny. Um, uh, then we have Working Moms uh, season four, uh, Scissors, uh, Scissor seven, season two. And then we have 18 Regali, um, Chico Bon Bon, Monkey with a Tool Belt. Uh, then we have Dead to Me season two, The Eddie, The Hollow season two, uh, Restaurants on the Edge season two, Rust Valley Restaurant Tours season two, and then uh, Valeria. Uh, which is a Netflix uh, original, I believe, film. Uh, all right, that's that's all yep. we got coming out. From that list, the Eddie, mm-hmm. um, I definitely want to see that. That looks really good. Uh, Restaurants on the Edge, dude, that show is fire, bro. I'm telling <laughs> you. It? It's good. If you haven't seen it, like, definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. So it's about um, – uh, it's about all these restaurants around the world that are like on the edge of closing down. Right. And they have these, uh, you know, restaurant experts come in and kind of like help them, um, you know, fix their menu, like redesign the flow and, and just like the atmosphere in their restaurant, as well as like, you know, fixing some of like the business strategy and elements like behind what it takes to run an effective restaurant and see profit margins. Um, like, you know, the end result of a lot of the transformations that they do were just like incredible. And it's just a fun light show to watch. The episodes are like less than 30 minutes. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Check it out. All right. Bet money. Uh, will do. Uh, let's, uh, let's jump forward here. Um, okay. You know what? I'm having a new system here. What? And so, uh, so I'm having to, test it out real quick but uh this should ideally work but it's not for some reason they'll wait they'll wait <laughs> we'll work little difficult all right and the least you could do is show some goddamn patience are we back <laughs> yeah, we are back all right so there you go um so uh so let's talk about this uh becoming uh let's talk about this trailer real quick uh uh but as well trailer as well as like news of uh of this um I think it's a series, unless I'm mistaken, or is it just like a one-shot documentary? Uh, it's a series. It's a series. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. So, uh, so becoming, uh, which is a, uh, it's a documentary on um, 
on uh, Michelle Obama. Um, uh, so this is based off of her 2018 becoming um, memoir. I guess it, it became a uh, a, a book. Um, I guess our memoir is a book, but, uh, but the book uh, is described as a, a guided journal of discovering your voice, uh, is the, um, memoir of former United States first lady, Michelle Obama published in 2018. The documentary, um, is about the 34 city book tour after the book was published and provides a rare and up close look at her life uh, as the first lady transitions back into, uh, life outside of the white house. Uh, it was, uh, the cinematographer, uh, I wasn't able to find who might have been like the director but i guess maybe this is where one case where maybe the cinematographer played essentially the director but uh, uh the cinematographer was uh, nadia uh, halgren and of course the star is michelle obama and of course will most likely star barack obama um in it and, and a whole lot of other fucking famous people and is due out for release on uh, may the 6th um so yeah what are you what are you expecting from uh from becoming I think this shit on Netflix is going to do numbers. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, the, our, our forever first lady, Michelle Obama. Uh, I mean, the book was a massive success. Uh, so this documentary for anyone, for the millions and millions of people who have read that book and like, I think it was held number one on the New York Times bestseller list for like a record number of weeks. Um, this documentary is just like that extra icing on the cake. Uh, is that her book is definitely on my list of books to read. Um, I've got like 10 books that I want to read over the next like year or two um, that is on the list for sure. I'm going to check out this documentary too. And I think it's going to make, um, it's going to make the, you know, if you've read the book and then you can watch this, it's going to make it that much sweeter. If you watch this and you go back and you read the book, I think it works in both ways. So I think this is going to be great. Um, Michelle Obama is such an intelligent, classy, um, you know, woman, first former first lady. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to watch it for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was kind of thinking like, you know, uh, I don't know exactly how, um, how much information they're going to give, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, in terms of like being real about, you know, how life is like post presidency. Uh, but I would have to assume that it's a pretty significant shift, uh, from, you know, being, although, you know, you know, the Obamas are pretty much like royalty at this point. Right. Like, you know, so I don't, I don't think that, uh, that will change. And I'm sure that they're given, you know, certain amount of like secret service you know detail and shit like that even post presidency yeah. um so uh but yeah i think this would be interesting to see sort of like you know a little bit of the, the peek behind the curtains of uh what life was like but uh, but they're you know they, they remind me uh, and i guess it's a no-brainer but like they remind me clearly of like jay-z and beyonce where everything's really curated right like you rarely catch them slipping in the moment of like nah you ain't gonna catch them slipping <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you know what's interesting about like uh, Michelle and Barack, right? Like if you look at former presidents, you look at like uh, uh, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. You look at um, uh, George W. Bush and I don't know his wife's name, Barbara, I believe. Um, Barbara Bush. Yep. So whenever you know former president ha has you know over the past ten years or whatever, right, ten sixteen years has finished their tenure as president. A lot of them kind of just go. Uh, I'm not gonna say they. I'm not gonna say they, they become reclusive or they kind of like step into the shadows a little bit, but they just kind of like pull back a little bit, right? I imagine being president, whether it's for four years or eight years, can take a toll on you 
mentally, personally. So you kind of want to just remove yourself from the limelight and then let the new president kind of take over. Um, Bill Clinton obviously had his scandal, so it was best for him to just step back and chill the fuck out. And then, and then uh, George W. Bush, the whole war in Iraq, and then his uh, handling of the Hurricane Katrina and, and, and a number of other things, I'm sure he wanted to just step back as well. Uh, but it seems like Michelle and Barack, they've been full steam ahead. Uh, you know, they've lost a production company. They've, uh, I think, produced two films or documentaries so far under their production company with other projects coming. Michelle's got the book. I think she got, I think the book deal for that was $36 million. Mm. So... Um, you know, Jesus. I love what they're doing, man. They're 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 building. They have a brand. They're building their brand, um, and it's been a success so far. So huge shout out to them. Yeah, they uh, they're always doing big fucking things. Um, but who do you think talks more shit? Like Barack was former president of the United States, but Michelle got that thirty six M's off a of book deal. <laughs> so yeah, no, she's definitely talk, she's know. definitely talking hella trash to him. I mean, clearly, like you know, uh, because she's like, you know, hey, I mean, like, how much did you make during your presidency? Eight years, and like, you have what, like, a couple million to to to, to show for it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I pulled in thirty four. Like, uh, just <laughs> every, every, you know, uh, during dinner time, you know, when he when he asked for like, hey, can I get some more? She's like, mm, did you? Uh, I don't know if you put in for that, did you? <laughs> But then Barack is like, I got Gaddafi out of there and I got Saddam. You can't you can't really tell me shit for a little book deal. I got shooters in the middle of- yeah. Barack still takes the cake because when you're once you were a president, like no one can take that from you. But you know, Michelle, you know, she is a big bag getter. 36 ain't nothing so um either way shout out to them yeah uh all right let's let's press forward uh here um so uh so next i believe we have uh something that i'm really really interested in uh we have the the lovecraft uh trailer which is a very interesting uh uh not just story but just an interesting kind of um, thing overall, project overall. Uh, so let me give you the quick synopsis here. Um, so, uh, hold on, let me make sure I change my shot up here. Uh, whoops, nope, that didn't work. Let's try, not that. Mm. Nope. Uh, grading seems a little <laughs> off. Yeah, that's not, uh, no, it's because of my shit's all fucked up here. Hold on one sec, let me, let me get back on track. Uh, Okay, there we go. <laughs> All right, uh, Lovecraft. Uh, Lovecraft. Uh, Love, Lovecraft Country follows Atticus uh, Black as he joins up with his friend uh, Lolita, La Tita, uh, and his uncle George to embark on a road trip across 1950s Jim Crow America in search for his uh, in search of his missing father. Uh, this begins a struggle to survive and overcome both the racist. Uh, terrors of white America and the terrifying monsters that could be uh, ripped from a Lovecraft paperback. Uh, this was directed um, it, it, the showrunner because it's actually a show, um, I believe, on on HBO. Uh, it's it's uh, the showrunner is uh, Misha Green, um, but uh, the show is produced by both Jordan Peele as well as J.J. Abrams as well. They're executive producers for the show uh, and is written by uh, Misha Green uh, as well as Matt uh, Ruff. And then I think Jordan Peele had, uh, or he's credited at least with one, uh, writing one particular episode. Uh, and this stars uh, Journey 
Smollett, uh, Bell, as well as uh, Jonathan Majors, Courtney B. Vance, uh, Abby Lee, and I believe is due out in for release in August uh, uh, of this year. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, looking at the trailer, uh, it looked uh, it looked pretty wild. Uh, what did you think about it? Uh, initially, like when I saw this, you know, I was a little bit skeptical. You know. I, it, it just didn't hit at first, but when you watch the trailer and you, when you get it to about like a minute in the trailer, this shit takes off. Um, there's obviously much more going on here than, you know, just life in, you know, this, this, uh, and I forget exactly when this film takes place, uh, but it, during the Jim Crow era, it, it's much more than navigating, you know, like uh, the nuances of like racism and Jim Crow and all of that stuff going on in the South, like this, uh, takes a more like theatrical turn um, like there's something in the woods right there's a monster it, it brings in like the whole like sci-fi element which is a lot different than what I've seen it's, it's kind of like take stranger things you put an all black cast in there or predominantly black cast you set it in like the Jim Crow South um, it, it kind of has that feel to me so um, I really like what I saw this is going to be on HBO um, to be honest I haven't really been excited about anything HBO's been doing like I didn't really have any plans to get HBO Max, um, but this particular project does look really good. Yeah, it looks. Uh, oh, and yeah. it, I gotta throw this in there. Um, this film or this series on HBO also stars Michael Kenneth Williams, uh, my boy Omar yeah, from the from, from the Wire. Wire. You gotta. Throw <laughs> that. I saw that and I was like, you know, uh, this is good. Sold. It's gonna be good. I got Omar in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was really interesting. Um, so for, the, for those who don't know, uh, so H.P. Lovecraft, he was a writer from way back in the day. And I'm, I'm going to butcher all the particulars about talking about him because I, you know, uh, I just don't have uh, I, you know, I wasn't I'm not I'm not a horror fan or I'm not like a surrealist. You know, I'm, I'm not a real big sur surrealist fan. So uh, so I can't necessarily speak, you know, in depth about him, but uh, but unless I'm mistaken, you know, he was a writer from, I think, what, the 50s or 60s or something like maybe even perhaps even earlier than that. Um, but he would write all of these like the one thing that his all of his novels sort of had in common is that they're they're like uh, they're surrealist in, in, in that like they, they would just have this they would have like these weird crazy monsters or like weird crazy scenarios where you fall into like an alternate dimension and uh, you know it's just crazy stuff that you know it, it's just not nothing based in like our reality or i guess it's a, it's a it's a cross between our reality and you know just whatever his crazy ass imagination would you know cook up um and so it's interesting I, i've never heard of this particular story and i don't know if he specifically um you know wrote this particular st story or not i doubt it i'm sure it's somebody who's taking him um and his you know the all the works that he did and kind of mashed them with you know uh this sort of backdrop of uh, you know, uh, black Americans in, you know, uh, in this particular time, uh, time period. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, this just looks really fucking interesting to me. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, with HBO doing Watchmen, um, they've earned themselves like a lot of credibility to pretty much do whatever the fuck it is that they, they want to do without like, 
you know, people questioning like, oh, you know, what if you do this? And, you know, uh, you know, how would people take it? It's like, no, like ever since Watchmen, Watchmen, you know, made it so that we can't really question. And obviously, uh, Dam- uh, Damien uh, Lindenoff, I believe is his name, um, was the person behind Watchmen. But I- I'm sure that this particular story is in great hands with uh, both J.J. Both Abrams and uh yeah, uh, Jordan Peele involved. Um, it's hard to imagine that this can go tremendously wrong. It, you know, it, it, it might not be the greatest thing ever, you know, and, and I'm not trying to throw water on it, but, you know, even if it's not the greatest thing, it's still not going to disappoint, you know, um, no matter what happens. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, okay. In that case, let's move the fuck on to something else. Okay. Let's go to story number three. Three. Oh, there we go. All right. So, so let's talk about Russo brothers real quick. Uh, do you want to take this one? Yeah. So uh, it was recently announced that the uh, Russo brothers will be a part of the project uh, for the upcoming live action Hercules film. Uh, this film is going to be based off of the, I believe it was the 90, 1997 uh, animated Hercules film that came out. I forget who was in it, but I do know like Danny DeVito was a part of that project. Um, uh, we all know the Heracles story, like Greek mythology, son of Zeus, uh, demigod, half god, half mortal, you know, uh, uh, superhuman strength, so on and so on. You know what was really interesting, though? Mm. I looked up where Hercules ranks in terms of like strength in, in the uh, in like the comic book universe. And Hercules is one of the uh, in terms of just like raw strength, not like magical powers. Mm-hmm. I think he's like one of the top. 10 strongest uh people in the in all of the universe really just because he's you know again he's the son of zeus right Mm -hmm. and and really no one should be more powerful than zeus if i'm correct um but anyway i I just thought that was really interesting so we got russo brothers a part of this project there are several other um you know producers and writers uh jumping on this project or rumored to be jumping on this project that are have also worked on past marvel projects as well um with the role that the russo brothers have been uh you know with the with the all the wins that they've had the big uh you know the big roles and films that they've um been a part of i think this project is uh has the makings of something really interesting and i think hercules is always a good fun story that um as long as you don't fuck it up <laughs> you know it never hurts to and it's a hard story to fuck up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I would say that. Uh, remember the TV show with like or something. Like that? I do, and, I, and I, that's you remember that? that's part of the reasons why I think that it can be easily fucked up, um, because, uh, like, so and, and uh, unless I'm mistaken, the. The 1997 movie, animated movie uh, by Disney, and of course this film follows like the same sort of like lineage of like, um, you know, uh, of films that have... um, uh, films that have uh, been remade, right? Like, so you have Mulan, you have Lion King, you have, uh, what else has been remade recently? Like pretty much anything else, you know, that they, they've got in their library. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so th- this takes that same course. Um, 
and, and, it, and it should be noted that uh, they're not, the Russo brothers aren't directing this, they're just producing it. Um, and David Callum uh, is, uh, who, who I think was responsible for launching sort of like the Expendables, uh, he, he penned a, the Expendables, I think the original film, uh, and then he's also penning the Shanghai uh, film as well, uh, the, the upcoming Shanghai film, um, or Shang-Chi rather, Shang-Chi film. Uh, and, uh, but I, I I think it can easily be fucked up because unless I'm mistaken, that was pretty, the, the original 1997 version was kind of like a musical and it was kind of funny and yada, yada. Um, but we've gotten like 18 different fucking, uh, um, uh, Hercules movies in the last like decade uh, so it's it's kind of hard to imagine that we might see another one and it'll be like widely accepted uh, from everyone so that's my fear like I do remember when they came out with like two Hercules films at like the same time one with The Rock and then another one with like the dude from Twilight or one of the guys from Twilight yeah I remember uh, the one with The Rock no but wasn't that Conan the Barbarian though not Hercules no no, that was uh, that was Hercules. Yeah, Are you sure? positive. Yeah, Conan. Mm. They, they they recently did do uh, Conan the Barbarian, but uh, but that that's separate from the Hercules one. Listen, uh, Russo brothers, just go ahead and get Chris Hemsworth to to star in this film. <laughs> uh, if it's anything like ex- uh, Extraction, you know, I, I have good hopes for this project. Yeah, did did you watch the the? Uh, Kevin Sorbo, Hercules show. Yo, I used to love that show. That and like Xena, the Warrior Princess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, Who was with? You know, was um, on uh, Xena, the Warrior Princess back in the day. Uh, Lucy Lawless. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just said that. Oh, did you? I'm sorry. You were. You were. <laughs> So, so okay. what happens? Uh, so we're, we're doing the uh, we're using Zoom for the uh, for your feed, and so what happens is the audio competes with itself. So like if we're both talking at the same time, I'm not going to hear your audio, and you might not hear mine. So that's why every now and then you might hear some like weird ass shit. But anyways, uh, that that's a little peek behind the veil of uh, of production. But um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm necessarily looking forward to a. Uh, to a uh, fucking Hercules, another Hercules film, um, yet another remake from from uh, uh, from Disney. But you know, we're gonna get it regardless. Uh, Here's the thing, though, right? Hmm. The world has changed very rapidly, and you're not gonna have to go to the movie theaters to see it, right? More than likely, mm-hmm. this project right. is gonna be to you on your couch. Mm-hmm. So maybe you know a project like that that you're not too excited about with the convenience factor built in i don't know it might do well uh, you might watch it. you might like it uh here's here, here's my doubtful face you know i don't know i don't know why that's my doubtful face but <laughs> um okay let's uh let's press forward here um let's talk about and i think we're on story on story four um Let's talk about some really uh, sad news. Uh, we just got word this week uh, that, um, or not even that we got word, but uh, but you know, uh, uh, Irfan, um, 
uh, Khan, um, who, who's an, who's an actor, uh, he, he passed away. Uh, and, uh, I'll, I'll just give you a little excerpt here from, uh, from, from, uh, from the article on, our, uh, Yahoo, uh, star of the Oscar winning movies, uh, including Slumdog Millionaire and Life of Pi has died at the age of 53. Uh, he had been, uh, admitted to a hospital in Mumbai, uh, with a kidney infection, but his condition is said to have deteriorated. Um, uh, Khan had been previously, uh, treated for cancer in 2019 uh, in London uh, after being diagnosed with uh, some form of cancer that I cannot pronounce. I think it's neuro endo uh, endocrine tumor. Um, and um, is it like a form of a brain? Is that a brain tumor? I believe so. Yeah. Um, and uh, and what's crazy is that, um, you know, his death just comes just after, I believe, his uh, mother passed, uh, Seda uh, Begum, I believe it's pronounced, uh, and my apologies if it's not, um, who was, uh, she was 95, though. Um, so, uh, so yeah, and, you know, he started in a, you know, in a ton of movies, uh, even way before he, you know, was in um, Slumdog Millionaire. Um, he had a, he had a host of films that he was in, uh, and, and I'm assuming that they, they were mostly all in, uh, in, in India. Um, but, uh, I know for, uh, for America, you know, just like I you know mentioned before, Slumdog Millionaire, Life of Pi. Uh, he was also in the, the Amazing Spider-Man. Um, and when I saw this, this hit me a little different than everything else, uh, or, or some other celebrities that you might see pass away. I think it's because, um, yeah, I don't know. I really actually did enjoy his, his acting. Um, like I remember in Life of Pi, I really enjoyed his, his, uh, uh, his, 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 um, acting in, in, in life of Pi as well as slumdog millionaire. Um, and even in, uh, you know, the amazing Spider-Man, I, I thought he was a, he's a, he's a damn good, uh, actor and, uh, it's a shame, um, to, to, to see him pass. But, um, you know, just with the, uh, the, the, the shitty bag of a year that uh, 2020 is, you know, it, it also gave us this, uh, very unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I'm very familiar with his work. Um, particularly Slumdog Millionaire is one of my favorite movies ever. So, uh, you know, and I know him well. When I saw him in Life of Pi, I was really, uh, you know, I was really pleased with his performance there as well. Um, I don't know, I guess under this like current climate, right, where we're all like, you know, dealing with this whole COVID-19 thing and, um, you know, people are dealing with it different ways. The death toll is just like unbelievable at this point um when you hear that someone has passed for reasons completely unrelated to that it kind of you know because we're used to hearing at this point every day about this many people have died from COVID-19 this many people have died when you hear someone's passed away from something else it kind of just you know stops you for a moment and you have to think like oh you know they're life in other areas is still going on which means that people unfortunately are still passing away of other things and um you know for someone like this who you've seen projects from you've seen uh, the quality of the work that they've done it definitely stops you for a moment so um you know blessings to him and his family and um but you know i'm happy that during his time here he got a chance to leave us with such incredible work that uh you know his legacy will you know will carry on for sure yeah uh for sure um all right, let's uh, let's press forward. Uh, all right, um, all right. So let's uh, let's talk about um, theaters' plan to reopen. This is uh, sort of like our ongoing uh, coronavirus update for as far as the 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 film you know or show um, world you know 
is concerned. Um, so, uh, so th there's word from Texas, uh, and Texas is just being used sort of as a, as an example here. Um, but there's word about uh, sort of some of the strategies that are being now are now going to be used to essentially reopen theaters, uh, like what the game plan is, and essentially they're going to sort of handle it like uh like you know tsa uh where there's all these sort of like checks and balances in order to kind of get you through uh, and to sit you in your seat uh to watch a movie uh which i find uh for one to be appalling uh, i i hate tsa uh, i hate going through the airport uh you know it there's much you know uh there there's there's a lot of evidence that you know they're not as effective as they would think they are um, and this in a, in a movie theater setting is uh, it's not appetizing. It's already kind of a task to just get up and fucking go to the theaters, you know, just the, the actual act of doing it. Not to mention that, oh, yeah, by the way, you have all these other fucking, you know, situations and things that you have to like go through in order to just sit down in the seat and, and watch the movie. Uh, what, what do you think a, a little bit about uh you know, the, the, the plans, so to speak. So I don't think this is in line with what Americans want uh, or what Americans think that they want, right? Um, so Americans, they don't want to be on lockdown, right? They, wanna, they don't want to be told whether or not they have to stay in the house. They don't want to be quarantined. Uh, they want life to continue regardless of what's going on, right? There could be a global pandemic happening and Americans don't want to stay in the house. Um, so to get them to willfully go through uh, temperature screening, a questionnaire, they're gonna have to ask it. Like, I think one of the questions that the uh, uh, Texas governor, Greg Abbott, uh, as well as the CEO of uh, uh, Evo Entertainment, which is the movie theater uh, in Texas that will be opening um, May 1st, uh, they said that like, they're going to have that. They're going to be asking guests like, you know, has a member of your family exhibited flu like symptoms over the past 14 days? Uh, again, the infrared screening going through that TSA style security. Um, Americans aren't going to want to do that shit <laughs> after nine 11, right? After 9-11 happened, people were terrified of like, you know, going on a plane and something like that happening again, right? And people called for more security and better protocol to make sure that these things didn't happen again. Uh, so the United States government was like, okay, great. We'll, um, we'll implement airport security. We'll call it TSA. You know, it, it'll be like a screening process you may have to go through to make sure that no one's carrying weapons or, you know, any explosive devices onto a plane. Americans are like, what? I have to go through a screening? Fuck that. No. It's like, wait, these are the same people who wanted airport security. And when they got it, they were like, well, we don't like it. Yeah. Uh, so to, to, to have to go through a screening at a movie theater, I, I think the people who do go want to be safe and want to know that the place has been di disinfected and it's going to be sterilized and they're going to be safe and the children are going to be safe. But once they get there, if they have to get screened and scanned and questioned, they're going to be like, this is bullshit. Yeah. God damn it. I'm an American. <laughs> uh, but the only thing that will probably, you know, shut, shut people the fuck up is the fact that I think movie tickets are going to be like $5 for adults, $3 for kids. Mm -hmm. uh, concessions are going to be like $5. So, all right. <laughs> I'll be there. 
<laughs> I'll be there. Five dollars. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't know about this. Um, I think, I think you're right. Like as soon as you start adding in a whole bunch of different things, like then it becomes like, oh god, like why do I have to do this? No matter what the price is. So let me let me read you a little bit uh, from the IndieWire article that, uh, that that we lifted the the story from. Uh, with tech, uh, with Texas allowed to reopen some non-essential businesses as of May first, just like you were talking about. Um, some exhibitors are bad. Uh, uh, battening uh, the hatches to prepare for moviegoers while others continue to wait out the storm. Um, uh, according to Variety, Evo Entertainment in Texas plans to open two locations on Monday, uh, employing airport security style check-in. Uh, CEO Mitchell uh, Roberts said a guest will be uh, ferried through a corridor area in the front door uh, asked whether anyone in their household is uh, flu-like symptoms in the last 14 days and finally be subjected to an infrared temperature screening. The the theater will turn away anyone with a temperature of more than 100, uh, 100.4 degrees. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is, this is for the birds. Uh, nobody wants to fucking do this shit. Uh, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to have to do that, you know, uh, in, in order to just see, uh, see a movie, especially like, we're going to talk about a story a little later that uh, that I'm going to be able to go full rampage about this. But like this is all for what end, though? Like we have another way so everybody can safely watch movies <laughs> without having to subject themselves to any of this. Why are we going to the theater? Yeah. Like anybody like like uh, theaters, studio, anybody like just explain to me that. Like, why do we have to do this? Like, like. It's different when you can't get the product where you're at. Like, so for instance, if a restaurant closed down, um, and uh, and let's say like for for argument's sake, let's say we didn't have like Grubhub or whatever, right? Uh, or all these places that like deliver food, right? Like if a restaurant closes down, um, yeah, it's you can't get the food unless you can actually literally go to the restaurant, right? But with the advent of Grubhub and, and you know, uh, Uber Eats and all this other shit, well, now I can just, I don't have to go to the restaurant. They can cook the food and do all that shit and still send it to me, right? I don't understand why we're arguing about this, especially in the thick of it. Like, we're, we're not in the clear yet as far as the coronavirus goes. So, like, why are we tempting fate and putting people in a situation where now we're going to get our fucking, uh, you know, who knows if the, the fucking thermometers are working properly, if they're not off a couple digits, uh, and then everybody's fucked, you know, or, you know, maybe somebody slips through, you know, or just like this, uh, like, all of this for what? Like, we have another means to be able to watch movies. But again, I'll, I'll rampage about that uh, a little later. Um, but and I so yeah. no, I was gonna say I do really like the quote from um, uh, Mitchell Roberts here, who's the CEO of Evo Entertainment. He says, uh, "I feel like it's really important for our guests to come in and see what we're doing to protect them." <laughs> no, <laughs> no. If if you want to protect them, you won't have them come inside. That's the best way to protect them. It's like, hey, I know that there's a global virus spreading. All 200 of you come inside here. We'll protect you inside. <laughs> they should just go the fuck back. 
Yeah. But, you know, I, I get it. They, you got to make some money. Yeah, yeah, you definitely do. And I think that that's what it com- comes down to at the end of the day is, is just making money. And look, I, I love movies and I love the, going to the, the whole experience of going to the theater. But at a certain point, you kind of have to just be kind of, you know, you, you have to know when to call a spade a spade. And I think that now is clearly the time to call a spade a spade when it comes to the, oh, we're trying to protect people. But it's like, well, what are you trying to protect them from? You're, you're, you're trying to protect them them only if they give you like only if if you're still able to make the money and, and there's reason right like you have people you have staff you have like you know there's there's it's a necessity but also like is now the time and, and i think that's the part that i d- uh, dispute is that no matter what protocols you might develop now is not the particular time to be doing all this that you, you uh it'd be much better if you waited uh until much later than this um but anyways like i said we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that uh a little later on um but with that being said let's uh let's move to our our, our next story here um let's talk about uh space jam is, is that how the song went back in the day i i i forget exactly how it went to be honest, I do not know. I don't remember the song at all. Um, well, I didn't know there was it. a song. Come on. Who did the song? I don't remember. Uh, I don't know. Somebody from the 1995 era that, uh, or, or the 90s era that uh, uh, that was into like, it, it sounded like one of those like um, pump up songs from the 90s. Uh, like, I, I know the style of music you're talking yeah. about. Definitely. Especially with like the type movie that we're talking about yeah. i just don't remember who did the track um but maybe that's something we got to look up for sure yeah uh so recently uh, Le- uh lebron james uh, recently took to instagram to reveal the official logo and title of the upcoming space jam sequel uh so this film is titled space jam a new legacy uh this film is going to so this is the sequel to the original 1996 uh, classic starring michael jordan uh charles barkley patrick ewing um, uh, I believe Muggsy Bowes is in that movie. Like uh, the whole star-studded NBA cast was in that original uh, Space Jam film. Uh, so this new remake uh, was still going to feature the Looney Tunes characters that we know and love, but it's going to feature uh, today's NBA stars, which include Anthony Davis, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, uh, as well as Don Cheadle, just to name a few. Uh, you know, this movie has been in the in the works for quite a long time. Um, glad to finally see at least like the graphics and the title announced um, as well as some more details on the cast. Perfect timing uh, with the NBA season on hold for right now. Um, obviously the Michael Jordan documentary, uh, the last dance is pretty much about the, the only basketball that we're getting. Uh, I think LeBron and, and obviously the team who's a part of um, producing this movie, but like LeBron taking to Instagram to, uh, release the graphic and the title. Um, it's it's well timed. Very strategic. Um, it's capitalized on on the basketball hype that's going on right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think um, yeah. I think I think it definitely is capitalizing on on the basketball hype. But my question is 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 there still going to be the the appetite for this uh like you know there was back back in the nineties with uh, with Jordan and Space Jam? I, I kind of see that as a different era where something like this would have been way more except like they got to make it they got to go out of their way to make this like a lot sleeker than than that was that i think people just like as oh shit here's this thing like it just kind of came out of the blue but since we already got one of them and it's with lebron and not mj it's got to be taken from like a different like 
sleeker angle. It can't just be like, oh, we're just going to accept these like whack ass jokes and, you know, kind of just like lame story. Like, nah, it's, it's got to you got to step your game up with this one. Uh, it's it's going to it's going to have to hit a little different than uh, than 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 the one in the 90s. Uh, and, and I think that's where I think um that's why I think this is not going to have as much success as, as they're hoping it, it will be. Uh, but, uh, you know, God help them, you know, for trying, you know, at least they, uh, they're, they're, they're trying to reanimate it. See, I don't know. I think it's going to add fuel to the fire, right? So why, did, and we talked about this on the last episode, why did Michael Jordan re, uh, decide to release um, the footage uh, to create what's now the last dance docuseries uh, airing on ESPN episodes, I believe four and six. Oh, no, I'm sorry, four and five. <laughs> Skip the whole number there. <laughs> episodes four and five appear tonight at 9 p.m. But why did MJ decide to release that footage? Is because uh, you know LeBron had won that third title in Cleveland, and he heard LeBron creeping up on that legacy, so he's like, release the footage, right? Um, and you know, I like what's going on here, where he's doing this whole Last Dance uh, docu series um, release over the course of these next five weeks. LeBron is like, "Okay, I'm gonna drop something on you too. I'm gonna drop this Space Jam <laughs> too on you, Mike." Um, yeah, it's a little different, a <laughs> little bit different. But hey, you know, and I, I, when did he drop it? I think it was uh, he released it yesterday. No, like just a couple days before episodes uh, four and five again, right? So I think this is just going to add fuel to the fire of like, you know, LeBron versus uh, Mike versus LeBron. Who's really the GOAT? Um, I can see Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith arguing about this on first take or something like that. Uh, you know, when the movie get released, who had the better movie? <laughs> How many titles? Michael didn't win without Scotty. You know, LeBron's three and nine or whatever in the finals like it's just gonna add fuel to the fire no, you're, you're for sure definitely gonna see a debate from max kellerman and Stephen a a very especially if this coronavirus stuff is still somehow a part of the or i guess it's probably gonna come out like what like a year from now or something like that or it's, it's I, I don't know exactly when it's due out um but uh but yeah uh, if sports are are not like in the shape that they are like that they were previously in terms of like their sports going on yeah you're for three days they'll argue about it uh of oh man you know i i vehemently disagree i can't believe it max that you would have the audacity to talk about jordan and then you know you, you would get non-stop them arguing about their shit um Vene is going to go off and Max Kellerman is going to say some of the stupidest <laughs> shit you've ever heard in your life. Well, they, they both say that's, stupid that's, things. I, I don't know. Yeah, I... Uh, but either way, man, I, I think that uh, as long as the story is fresh and it's interesting, I think there's definitely still going to be an appetite for this film. Um, I mean, you know, I think LeBron has chosen his projects very strategically. He's, he's done. He's put out some really good work. Um and I think, again, this is going to add fuel to the fire. So I think there's going to be a market for this for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's press forward here. Um, okay. We are on, I believe, story seven. Okay. All right. So uh, so while we're on the uh, the idea of basketball, let's talk about uh, some some rule changes with the uh, the NCAA. Uh, do you want to you want to take this one? Uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, this is this is something that has been uh, kind of like it, 
this has been in progress for a while, right? This conversation has been happening for a long time about whether or not college athletes um, should make money, uh, whether or not, you know, they should make, they have a right to like the name that they build during their college tenure um, or whether or not, you know, the opposite side of is that is like these players, a lot of them are receiving like a free education, a full um, uh, sports scholarship, blah, blah, blah. So recently the NCAA, which is the uh, highest governing body approved, uh, highest governing body of uh, collegiate sports has approved, uh, or at least it might still be in the proposal phase, but basically saying that college athletes can receive compensation for third-party endorsements and promotions. This will take effect in 2021. I think this is a long time coming, dude. Like if, if I was a college athlete over the past, like five to 10 years, uh, when, you know, this should have happened a while ago, like this should have happened with LeBron. Well, I mean, LeBron skipped college, but like this should have happened, you know, 10 years ago. Right. Um, and it's insane that people are still arguing against why college athletes should make any money at all. Like, there's still a, a huge uh, portion of people saying that like their education is enough, but what they're missing is the fact that a lot of these college, uh, these student athletes are not receiving an education at all because the, their sports programs are essentially pulling them from class to be on the court or on the field. Um, so I love this. I hope it's handled in a responsible way though. Um, I hope it's handled in a way where the players get the money right uh, like maybe upon finishing their college tenure or whatever they get that money and they're able to do something with it um versus you know here's some cash right here's here's a check um because a lot of these student athletes when they're coming out of college if they don't make it to the league they don't know how to manage the money they don't know how to spend the money and most of them are going to like just go broke so uh, i hope it's done responsibly i hope it's done in a way that puts these young men and women in situations to um better themselves financially better their families but uh this is a long time coming yeah uh, um and, and let me read you a little bit more from that uh, from that article uh, while student athletes would be permitted to identify themselves by sport um and and school uh, the use of conference and school logos trademarks uh or other inv uh, involvement would uh not be allowed um so I think this uh, this kind of speaks to why there's still like a lot of work to do, right? Like, so the athletes will, you know, obviously be able to, or hopefully they'll they'll be allowed to, uh, uh, you know, benefit from from their likeliness, um, which is clearly like a change in uh, or shift in, in direction for the NCAA. That's been pretty much like you know they're they're not able to profit whatsoever, whether it's through the NCAA or otherwise, or through third parties uh, for you know for their image. Um, but what this does is then promote other, uh, like it, it promotes like the highest like known athletes in whatever sports that you're talking about right so like if you're talking about basketball it's like whatever the biggest stars in college basketball are will you know definitely benefit from this but if you're you know uh, a third you know um if you're if you're the third string point guard on on the team and you don't really get any burn or if you're just not as well known as other even no matter if you're really good or not or whatever uh but if other people just uh don't know you as well as others if you're in a smaller market uh then of course you're you know you're not going to be compensated uh uh appropriately or 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 um 
the same as other athletes. So then what this does is further sort of like stratify, I think, college sports in terms of like, well, now everybody's just going to be going to like the big market schools, right? Like 100% you're going to be going because the bigger the school and the bigger, the more widely known the school, well, now you have the opportunity to benefit that much more from your likeliness if even if you're you are a bench player for whatever you know whether it's duke or whatever people are still most likely going to know that you exist in the world um and uh and and yeah so i I think that you know although you know this is clearly like a a huge step in in the right direction hopefully um if everything's said and done uh, or when everything gets said and done but you know i think there's still clearly like a lot of things to sort of sort out and, and figure out um from a lot of different perspectives, not just, you know, if, uh, you know, uh, this isn't, this isn't the end of it. This is the beginning of a conversation, not the end of it. Definitely. I I think you made a good point when you said like, you know, this is going to affect how universities um, pool talent, right? Like if you, it's kind of like being a Dallas Cowboys uh, player, right? Just, or uh, you know, playing for like the New England Patriots, right? Or playing for the Lakers or those like well-known sexy teams. Just by being on that team and, and wearing that jersey, you open up yourself to a lot more endorsements. Whereas if you are a student athlete and you're in like a smaller school in a smaller market that's not as sexy, um, even though you have the opportunity to like uh, to make uh, uh, money from your name, uh, as a college athlete, you're just not going to make as much as uh, a student who goes to like university of Miami, or uh, if you're, if you're Oklahoma sooner, you're of course going to make money than if you're like, you know, playing for a smaller school in like Virginia or Maryland or Tennessee or some bum fuck state like New Jersey or Delaware. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I mean, yeah. And, and that's just the nature of the beast. Right. But I think what it does, like, even if you do play for a smaller name school, but you have like maybe a good program, it's going to at least open you up to, uh, uh, be able to, being able to earn regionally. Um, it's like, let's say you play for, uh, I don't know, let's say you're in Maine, you play for the university of Maine football team. You're probably not going to be able to get like big name endorsements. Um, but the money you can generate by having those like smaller local or regional endorsements is still better than what a lot of these kids are um, making now, right? Where they're, they're just getting like spaghetti and meatballs from the cafeteria because they're part of the football team um, while the university is making hundreds of millions of dollars a year off of the revenue that their sport brings in. The students should get a little bit of that regardless yeah and i and i think that maybe that's what people maybe who are on the outside looking in saying oh well fuck like you know just like you kind of mentioned before like oh like you know they get paid enough or or they 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 get their payment through like education or whatever um but you know the reality is is that you know if somebody's using your likeliness your your image uh and your body, you know, in order to, to profit, like, shouldn't you be able to partake in that? Or should they not be able to profit so much off of you when you're not able to participate yourself? Um, uh, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, just like I said before, I think there, there's, there's ways to go in terms of kind of, you know, detangling all this and, and figuring it all out from a logical, um, and mutually beneficial standpoint. Um, but we'll, we'll see where it goes. We see, you know, like I said, this is the, the beginning of the conversation, not the end of it. So, um, so we'll see.
Um, with that being said, we will move on to our next uh, story, and I believe we are going to be talking about South by Southwest. Uh, some really good news, and I, and I actually meant to talk about this last week, um, but uh, but uh, I, I it just slipped in my mind to actually mention it. Um, but uh, Amazon and South by Southwest are doing something really cool, uh, and and so I'm going to give you uh, the direct from uh, from this uh, this article here. Uh, from where is this article from uh from tv guide actually um which i forgot tv guide was still a thing um (laughs) so uh so despite the unfortunate uh cancellation of south by southwest this year due to the coronavirus you can now participate in the festival online starting now um and now was dating back to april 27th um uh, Amazon Prime has now taken the festival experience virtual with the launch of Prime Video Presents the South by Southwest 2020 Film Festival Collection, uh, which began on, um, uh, just like I mentioned, April 27th uh, and will run through May 6th. Uh, the best part uh, of this news is uh, you don't need to pay for Amazon uh, Prime to uh, account to watch uh, these films, plus pre-recorded panels and Q&As with cast and uh, filmmakers are being made free to audience is everywhere and you'll need uh, uh, and all you'll need is a free Amazon account to watch um, so uh, so I wanted to talk about this because I, I just thought that was so fucking dope man like it, it, it you know it, it and I don't want to be dramatic about it but it, it kind of broke my heart a little bit that uh, that all these filmmakers who were planning to you know show their films some for the first time um, at this fel- festival didn't get the opportunity to because of a fucking <laughs> You know, like what are the chances that a fucking worldwide pandemic is going to hit the exact time <laughs> that you're going to, you know, show your film? And, you know, obviously there's a lot of other people dealing with a lot of fucking other issues because of the pandemic, but specifically for the filmmakers and for the people associated with the films, as well as like just like South by South, uh, uh, South by Southwest festival overall um you know i think this was like the first time that the festival didn't take place um since its inception um and 30 years or something yeah you know and so and so it's that's got to be a stunning sort of thing to have happen um so i I, and i was thinking at the time like shit why don't they just release it online now i will say that that's kind of a plus and minus right like some of these people were, I, I think, banking on being able to show their movie to a select audience and build some buzz and then have that buzz carry into like perhaps the film being bought um, at some point by, you know, some, you know, distributor or, or, or whatever, what have you. Um but uh, but this just gives them you know people move the movie for free, which again might still generate some buzz, but then changes that whole paradigm of being able to, the prospect of your movie being sold later. Um, so I would say it's a plus and a minus. Um, I don't know if I would have wanted a paywall, you know, sort of like so like you would have to pay to see each movie. I think that could have been beneficial to the filmmakers, but you know, this is better than nothing. I think you know because at least people are able to see the finished work, which I think is a whole hell of a lot better than not being able to see it at all. And and God knows, you know, when we would have been able to see it uh, if they were waiting for it to be bought, because that whole industry of buying films, I'm sure, is in uh, a, a giant clusterfuck right now because of the coronavirus. Like who, you know, I'm sure distributors aren't really trying to buy movies. 
movies and you know people aren't even able to show movies or you know show that hey people will like this if you you know if they if they can put it in front of audiences and see the audience reaction so but anyways i just thought it was fucking dope and i, I thought it was more worth mentioning and and if you haven't um already like i haven't yet um I, i'm definitely going to try to check out some of these films on um before may 6th um before time run, runs out yeah. Um, so in total, there are 39 projects that are uh, featuring that are going to be featured on Amazon Prime, South by Southwest 2020 Film Festival Collection. Um, to your point, I mean, I think this is huge for those filmmakers. The downside is that, like, because uh, South by Southwest was canceled, um, you know, as a filmmaker, you may just have wanted. 10 or 20 highly influential people within the film industry to that we're going to be at South by Southwest to see those films, right? Or to see your film because those, you know, 10, 20 influential people, maybe even just that one person who writes that article about your film, who saw it at South by Southwest and was able to like see fans' reactions to the film could make your project. It could help your project get bought by a bigger distribution house. Um, so, you know, that, and, and that's just unfortunate. That's the unfortunate reality for everyone who's supposed to be at South by Southwest this year. But this, pro, um, this, this partnership with uh, Amazon, I, I think this is amazing. Um, you know, again, to your point, having, uh, you know, a, a paywall where, you know, you could even as pay as like much as $199, $299, $399 to see any of these movies. And maybe those proceeds go to the filmmakers. Um, that I think that would have been a good strategy but for someone like myself who already has like hulu and uh you know who already has netflix and apple tv plus that may have been a huge barrier as well to even going and watching sure. the project uh but because because this collection is free um you know we have up until may 6 and i'm definitely gonna go and check out a few projects because uh even though i have the shows that i'm watching now on apple tv plus and netflix like sometimes you want to take a break from what you're doing now and you want to see what else is out there and this is that opportunity to see what else is out there so um if you guys listen to this episode before may 6 definitely check these out i'm gonna go and watch a few films from here for sure yeah and i know amazon's done a lot of fucked up things in uh, very very recent memory uh you know and speaking specifically about uh <laughs> you know the workers uh for 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 amazon especially you know ones in warehouses and um distribute uh distribution centers um but i i gotta give up to amazon on this they they did right by south by southwest so uh so they get a they get a they get a couple they get a couple of hands, you know, for, uh, for amazon prime just for this though everything else still pending yeah it's just <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, so let's uh, let's jump uh, forward here uh, a little bit. Um, let's talk about um, trolls. Uh, so, uh, so trolls two, um, or I guess troll trolls worldwide. I believe it's the, is the name of the. I don't fucking watch this movie, so I don't know what the fuck it's called. But uh, trolls worldwide. Yeah, I've seen it. Worldwide tour, I believe. Or yeah, trolls world uh, tour. Uh, trolls. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so this is, uh, I believe this is like the second, or so this is the animated sequel uh, to the first Trolls film. Um, this focuses on like the Trolls uh, band going on a worldwide tour. Um, so I've, I've seen like one or two, or I think there were two other Trolls movies actually that I've seen. Um, if you have kids, you've seen these movies. <laughs> um, the significant about this film um, and the numbers and the records that it set are 
because this was at like the beginning of the coronavirus, right? I think this was the first big film that was supposed to hit theaters just before all the, you know, the, the, the country shut down and quarantine orders were issued nationally and, and on a state by state basis. Um, so again, this is one of the first big movies that was then also pulled from theaters. Um, what happened then was universal uh, pictures who owns the trolls catalog. Um, they were the first big distribution hub to have a, uh, a digital and digital only release. Um, so this is going to go into our next story that we're going to talk about. But Trolls 2 was, the, again, the first big film that had a digital only release. And it went on to set records. I mean, I think it did $100 million in revenue in the first three weeks. Um, that's never happened before uh, uh, to this scale. And I think it did benefit from the fact that everybody was forced to be at home. Um, so I'm not sure how much credit we can give this film. But, I mean, it's huge, uh, huge records there. And I think it was this film that set a precedence for a lot of the things that's going to happen moving forward. Yeah. Um, and in my apologies, if you already mentioned this, but uh, the, the film was available for 48 hour uh, rental of a not digital download for a 1999 premium price. Uh, and it was uh, the bestseller for um, Fandango's uh, full week um, Monday to Sunday chart uh, of feature film offerings, despite only being available for three days. Uh, it beat a wide margin. Um, the full number two and number three, uh, ranked uh, films, I guess, uh, on Fandango were Bad Boys for Life and Sonic the Hedgehog, um, 2020's domestic uh, theater grocers. Um, so, so yeah, they, 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 they had a bit of a come up, obviously, you know, like they were helped out by the fact that everybody was home and bored as fuck. Uh, but, um, you know, they, 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 managed to do something at least and you know i think that some sort of saw this as maybe perhaps the precursor to other films following suit now that definitely hasn't happened everybody's been kind of just you know uh circling the wagons you know trying to see exactly sort of what happens as, as far as the pandemic goes um but uh but i don't I don't hate the move by Universal, uh, and Universal are, are the uh, is, is the studio behind Trolls, uh, the Trolls franchise. Um, I don't hate the move. I think you can look at it a number of different ways, right? Like you can look at it as a way of like, yeah, they're trying to, you know. Uh, fuck the uh, the theaters and basically saying fuck you. You guys are on your own. We're gonna just release all of our shit on VOD, um, but also. And, and maybe, you know, maybe we should just go ahead and start uh, the conversation for for our next story, um, which uh, uh, hold on. Let me let me flip to it. Uh, there we go. All right. Uh, and then let me. Boom. All right. Uh, yeah, let's just get, jump into our the next story here. Uh, and that's universal versus pretty much the theaters. Right. Uh, but uh, the theaters here being specifically AMC and Regal by proxy of um uh by proxy uh sinmark uh, which i believe or sin sin i don't know sin world or uh, like, one yeah. of the fucking sins Mark yeah, sin whatever the, the fuck they're called uh that actually owns is the parent company of regal uh cinema um but um yeah, let, let, let's get into this a little bit. So it came out this past week that uh, both Universal as well as AMC as well as uh, Regal all made comments uh, about uh, sort of, in, in a nutshell, what 
uh, Universal was essentially saying that they're going to do is explore the world of both releasing their films going forward in theaters as well as on uh, demand uh, VOD. Um, and then AMC came out this past week and essentially try to drop the elbow from the top rope and say, uh, uh-uh, niggas, yeah, I ain't doing that shit. You're not on our watch, you know, and basically saying, Hey, we're not going to fucking carry any of your films if you plan to do that. Um, and apparently this is sort of like infringing upon what sort of like the usual back and forth between, um, a theater and, uh, a studio might be meaning that like. Uh, typically speaking, um, the 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 point of contention that they might have is is uh, the theatrical window, right? Like, uh, you know, how long a movie is going to be in theaters, or if it'll be in theaters at all, or whatever the case is, right? Um, so, you know, uh, so that's usually like the only point of contention between a theater and a studio. And uh, Universal is basically coming on saying, "Yeah, we're gonna fuck all that shit. Like, we're just gonna release our shit on demand and try to release them in theaters, which is clearly gonna hurt the theaters." Um, and then again, AMC came out and said, "Yeah, we're not gonna carry your movies anymore." And then soon after, Regal came back and 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 followed up. You know, with the uh, you know they try to put them in the sharpshooter um, uh, by saying that they're also not going to carry any of Universal's uh, films as well going forward if that. That's going to be the case or the films that are released on demand versus being just strictly theaters. Um, and we could, you know, go into like the, the nitty gritty of like who said what? Yeah, I don't feel like doing that shit. Um, what I do feel like talking about, there's two camps, right? And I'm very curious to see where you stand on this. There's typically two camps of this. You either think that Universal's, uh, Universal, is, they're, they're monsters for essentially saying that they're going to do this. And, and I think they've since kind of try to walk back their comments a little bit in that, like maybe they, they like, Oh, we're not going to release all the films or whatever. They, they, they essentially like took back essentially what they're saying. But, uh, but you either are in the camp of universal, they're monsters for trying to do this, or you're like, yeah, no, fuck that shit. Give me all, all, all the movies on demand immediately. I don't understand why we're fucking with this shit. Uh, what, 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 uh, side of the fence are you on in that, in that, in that scenario? So I want to provide a little bit of color here, okay. a little bit of context, right? <laughs> so it was, so a- AMC movie theater CEO, Adam Arnon, he's the one who announced like in an open letter to uh, Universal Pictures chairman, uh, Donna Langley, basically saying that they're not going to carry any of, any of their films, as you said. I, I like the quote here from the article. Um, and this is from uh, AMC CEO, Adam Arnon. He says, uh, it's disappointing to us, uh, but Jeff's comments as Universal's unilateral actions and intentions have left us with no choice basically saying um you know uh, amc is basically saying universal pictures in choosing to release trolls 2 digitally and and some of the uh future actions that they're going to take to release films uh digital only or digital first um are going to essentially fuck amc uh to me like when i picture this it's like one of those movies where there's like a, a really long drawn out uh, shootout scene where they're just like you know you're ducking up and pow 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 you know, they fire some shots and some shots get fired back like pow pow and then you fire some pow, 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 and then they fire some right I, I that's essentially boy. what's going on <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who doesn't get that soldier boy reference hey, look it up online um, it's fine but but you know this is you know this is when you see who's uh you know who's got the bigger who's got the bigger stick right mm. so this is like the drug game universal <laughs> is essentially 
Universal has the cocaine. Um, and for, for a long time, AMC and Cineworld have been their distributors, right? Universal supplies, AMC distributes, everybody wins. Now, here's what Universal tried to do. Universal tried to, they came to AMC and Cineworld and they say, hey, you know what? That 100 kilos we get you every week, we're going to now split that. So you guys are going to get 50 kilos now, and we're going to start sending 100 kilo or the other 50 kilos elsewhere, <laughs> right? So AMC is like, whoa, you guys are you guys are going to start to short our product? You know, we've got customers, right? Um, and, I, and I do like the fact that even though they're rival uh, cartels, AMC and Cineworld, they've eventually, they've ultimately teamed up here against Universal saying, all right, if you guys are going to short our product, you know what? Keep your product. We'll find another supplier and we're going to go to war with you. So I'm on the side of AMC and Cineworld. I understand the move that Universal makes. Sometimes you have to, you know, diversify your distribution, uh, you know, especially if the, you know, the FBI and Interpol and uh, start to, you know, fuck up your supply chain, right? In this case, COVID-19 fucked up the supply chain. Uh, so Universal, they had to do what they had to do, but AMC and Cineworld getting together to take shots at Universal. Um, you know, you got to fight fire with fire, right? So I'm on the side of AMC and Cineworld. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I don't fault people for doing that, right? For being on the, because Universal, they are trying to be sort of like the bullies in the schoolyard. It's like, yeah, basically we're, <laughs> we're going to cut your keys in half, you know, and, uh, you know, and hopefully you're satisfied with that. Um, and they're trying to essentially use, or they were trying to use uh, the, the virus as like a, oh yeah, because of the virus, we're now going to do this. And it's, it's like, nah, but, but, uh, I think this is about a broader issue than than just these three parties, but let's just say, for argument's sake, two parties, right? Uh, the studio versus the theater. This, I think, comes down to... And look, I, I fucking... I, I don't subscribe to this particular ideology, but I think that in this, in this situation, I think it just makes sense, right? Um, when people talk about the market working itself out, and how competition uh, um, is necessary. I think that this is the scenario that they're talking about, right? Like, and you usually hear when you hear conservatives talk about that, or or maybe some like libertarians, right? Um, they they might talk about that. This is what they're talking about, right? You have uh, you have the theaters, which for all intent and purposes have essentially had a monopoly over how people get to watch films right if you have a brand new film just released um if it is especially if it's like a bigger you know budget movie um it's most likely outside of being directed to, to, to video or direct to digital as you know as, as more updated you know use of the term um you essentially have a monopoly over when people can watch movies, right? And how they watch movies, right? And and I'll and I'll, I'll list two specific examples of this. Um, when I was uh, 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 
Endgame, Avengers Endgame, right? They, they like that was going to be released in theaters. There was never, under any circumstances, any talk of the Avengers Endgame being released on demand first and then going to theaters or at the same time or anything like that, right? Um, so people had to get in their cars. You know, I had to get in my car. I had to go scoop some friends up. You know, I had to drive to the theater. You know, I had to make sure I bought all the tickets online and 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 you know, make sure I was there to be able to let all the people in that I you know bought the tickets for. Like it, it was. It, there was some planning that was involved. Then I had to stand in a long ass line to wait, to, to, to wait, uh, you know, in a concession stand to get some fucking popcorn or whatever. And I think maybe I just gave up and just went straight to the theater anyways. So, okay. I had to do that. And I gladly did that for Endgame, Right. But then I had an experience and it was a great experience watching Endgame. Then I had an experience where I went to go watch the fucking Lion King. Uh, in theaters and it sucked uh it was when lion king the lion king movie that just came out uh the the remake of of the of the original um i went to we went to the theaters uh for some reason or another this the theater there was like a stench in the theater and this is at a theater that like basically classifies itself as like a higher end theater right there was like i don't know if it was like a sewage line that was backed up or something something happened where something was just foul and but it was only in the hallways right it wasn't in, in the actual theater that i smelled but only in hallways i go into the theater we sit down uh we see people in front of us and they're either high or drunk or whatever but they're just making obscene amount of noise right we can't enjoy the actual we can't hear what's going on because of them but not only could we not hear what was going on because of them but like there's something fucked up with the audio for the theater where oh shit like now it was like the audio was like super fucked up. Um, and so, uh, so it was just a terrible experience overall. I would have had a much better experience had I just stayed my ass home and, uh, uh, and, and watched it in the comfort of my own fucking living room. Right. I would have had a much better experience watching uh, Lion King than, than I did then. Um, so I say all that to say, I've always had the, the idea that big budget movies belong in theaters uh, especially if they're action and, and there's a lot fucking going on in them. Yes, throw that shit on the biggest possible screen, put that on IMAX, but I don't fucking need to watch The Notebook on an IMAX theater. I don't, like, or, or like, in theaters at all. I could just watch that shit, you know, in the comfort of my fucking own living room, right? And so, and so... I think that people should have the option, right? Now, they don't because, again, it's like a fucking monopoly that that theaters have over when you can actually see shit, especially if it just comes out and it's like a bigger budget movie, right? Like that it's not direct to, 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 uh, to VOD. But why? Like, especially with a pandemic like this, we, we talked about a story earlier where we talked about the reopenings and that like, okay, now they're going to start taking people's temperature before they walk in. And there's been, you know, ideas of, oh, maybe like you need like Perel or some shit like, a, you know, people need to like clean their hands before they, they come into the theater or whatever. It's like, isn't this a lot easier if I just watch this at home? Isn't it a lot safer if I just watch it at home? I understand that the theaters employ a lot of people and those people need to stay, like it's it's a net positive that those people stay employed. That, that I'm not disagreeing with. But what I am disagreeing with is this idea that like they're going to like, you know, that Universal is like the big bad in this situation when it's like, no, AMC and Regal and all the other fucking theaters, they have a monopoly over when you can watch movies, right? And we're not talking about older movies that, you know, they're re-showing. We're talking about new movies, right? So it's like they've been enjoying non-competition forever, you know? Um, 
and nobody's like stood in their way. Nobody's like stopped them or 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 until digital came along. V, uh, uh, VHS wasn't a true competition. DVD to to, to a, a large extent wasn't really a true competition. Digital is definitely competition for the fucking theater industry, and they're doing everything that they can to stave that off. And you know by you know by logic, of course they would, right? Like they need to in order to survive. But uh, but I feel like I've been talking for like twenty minutes. You, you say something. No, I mean, uh, and everything you said is 100% accurate, right? And there are two sides to this. There's no, there's no right answer so far. I mean, you can look at the at, at as the studios as the villain here, um, because they essentially control the pie, right? And and AMC and Cineworld, they're just trying to get a, get their little slice of it. Um, and these are complementary businesses. It's like hot dogs, hot dog buns, ketchup and mustard, right? <laughs> they kind of all rely on each other until ballpark Franks starts to make their own hot dog buns, ketchup and <laughs> mustard. And then, you know, they, they, they essentially fuck over the companies that produce those products beforehand. Uh, it, 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 it fortunately does breed competition. Like when universal says, Hey, we're going to start, exploring the digital route i think amc and Cineworld are gonna have to get a little bit more crafty and a little bit more creative and figure out how to stay afloat how to change the uh the, the structure of their business to still meet consumer needs in this like more competitive landscape um so I, i'm really interested to see what comes out of this um but universal did kind of pull a dick move in a very uh you know in, in a very stressful time for a lot of businesses right um, but again, you know, I think competition is good. The, the one other thing I will say here is people do forget the fact that the majority of movie theaters makes, they, they make the majority of their of money from concessions, mm-hmm. actually showing the films, right? Um, so they need pe- they need those big films and they need lots of movies for people to want to go there to see, to watch those movies. And then while they're there, buy concessions so if universal and let's say like all of their movie studios start to maybe they put half of their stuff in theater and they put their other half on digital that is essentially i mean that's not going to kill half of the people going to movie theaters i think it's going to do more damage than that right um and then if but let's let's just go half and half let's say half the people who went to movie theaters uh on a weekly basis are not going right that means half or more than half of the concessions that they were buying are not being bought. That means movie theaters are likely going to have to half of their staff. They're going to have to um, vacate half of their theater locations. They may have to downsize the amount of theaters in uh, each movie or the price of concessions goes up to uh, validate like the cost of overhead and, you know, the cost it takes to maintain those facilities. So there are going to be a lot of impact in a lot of different areas. Um, I don't think Universal here is like the bully, but I think they're they're applying pressure, um, and you know, usually sometimes pressure creates diamonds, or sometimes it just bursts a water pipe, and and now everyone's fucked. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and the last thing I'll say about this is, and there's, there's a lot more I could say, but I think we're we're, we're probably running a little short on time. Um, is that uh, I, I understand, like you, you know, that that the theaters they employ people, and that y- you. Um, that's again, like that's a net positive for society, but, um, this, this is like the natural like evolution. And if they don't become 
like I, I view it like kind of like I view the coal industry, right? Where it's just like, like, why are we still using coal? There are way better ways to get energy that don't require all the crazy shit that coal requires, right? Um, and so, like, why are we still doing it? It's because people are still being employed by the like coal miners are still a thing, right? But at some point in time, we're going to have to have a serious conversation about like, well, what do we do? Because this isn't this is the most inefficient thing possible that we're doing, and it's just for the sake of people keeping jobs so it's like at what point do we start thinking okay well how can we re, how can we reposition those people that they're not out of a job but we're they're they're doing something different than what they're doing now because what they're doing now is, is becoming an increasingly obsolete uh uh system um or, or way of doing things um and and like i'll say this to end is like I remember when I was a kid and I, like, I must have been like nine or 10 at the time. And I went to go see, my mom took me with her to go see Waiting to Excel. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why she took me. but I, I don't know if you take a nine or 10 year old <laughs> kid to see Waiting to Excel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know why she took me. It was like one of the rare times that we actually went to the theaters together. Uh, and then she chose Waiting to Excel. I guess she just <laughs> liked Waiting to Excel. But, um, but the reason why I even bring that up was because that was a very easy situation where if we did have some sort of on-demand situation, well, I could have just got up and like, ma, you know, during this, you know, scene where Whitney Houston gets plowed, uh, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go, go to uh, the bathroom real quick. I'm going to, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go grab something to eat real quick. You know, you, you, you can watch that. I'll, I'll, I'll take 10 on this. Um, in the theater, I just was forced to sit there very uncomfortably with my mother as, <laughs> as we see, uh, you know, and nowadays it's not terribly graphic, but, you know, for back then it was just like this really graphic scene when I'm like, I don't even know what's going on here. I'm nine years old. <laughs> it's a really fucking awkward moment. I would have loved on the man or digital at that point in time. So I really genuinely do feel like it's just a natural evolution for this to be the case and for the theaters to continue to try to stave it off you've got to do more than just think about oh like let's just get seats that recline or like let's just you know uh you know let's just uh have like leather seats instead of like you know the the fabric seats it's like there's got to be a different thought about strategy here and i don't think that they're forcing themselves to do that so much as they're just trying to keep the old shit seeming like it's new when it's not and everybody's like on to something else you know so anyways um yeah yeah uh and, and just to give our listeners a, a quick rundown of a few other films that tunde went to see with his mom <laughs> in theaters we have how stella got her groove back boomerang players club <laughs> Pretty much everything you're not supposed to take in to see. <laughs> oh my god! And then for those who don't know, my mom's uh, she's Nigerian, um, and uh, you know she doesn't really go to the theaters like that much, or, or pretty much at all. Like I remember one of the only other movies I can remember seeing with her in theaters was Amistad. Um, uh, but for I, I think it was like it was a case where waiting till so like keep in mind it just came out, um, and so you know nobody really knew exactly what was in it or what was going on um and i'm sure she just yeah. wanted to see it just because everybody else was talking about it you know um and so yeah i don't, I don't fault her at all but that i would have very I, I i clearly remember sitting in the theater thinking 
this is deeply uncomfortable. Like, it, like even as like a nine or ten year old, I was like, this is not supposed to happen. This is weird. Um, shit, as a grown man, uh, <laughs> like if I'm watching a movie with my mom and it gets too sexual in the movie, I'm like. Um, like let's fast forward this part. Or let's just pretend it's not happening. It's still uncomfortable. Do you, what do you what do you go to move? Do you do, do you just like skip ahead a little bit? Like oh like okay, like let's just let's just skip forward here a little bit. Let's see where we're at. Or do you do you just uncomfortably sit through it? I just uncomfortably sit through it, and I just I just do not. I, I don't want to look at anybody else's reaction. So I just like literally like tunnel vision like. You know, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. This time will pass. Uh, I don't want to see anybody like I don't. I don't want to see my mom like, you know, like oh, this is a great scene. Or like, I don't want to see any type of reaction. This is a great scene. <laughs> I don't want to see any. Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, um, I think we've come to the end of another fucking wonderful episode of the Fate Podcast. Uh, and I and I ask your patience. Uh, bear with us as we work through all of these like technical issues. Uh, we're still getting our feet under us as far as like how to like you know make all this shit work uh, now that we're doing the show remotely. Uh, but we'll get there hopefully one day soon. Um, with that being said, uh, as usual, uh, you know, uh, if you listen to the whole podcast, we appreciate you uh, to no end. But uh, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, uh, and most importantly, hit that share button to share the shit with anybody and everybody who you think can uh, can definitely benefit from the podcast, which, of course, is everybody, as I say every week. Um, uh, but with that being said, um, I think uh, well, we're going to be back, what, next Sunday? Uh, so I think we will see you then. Uh, until then... Uh, oh, go ahead and hit that usual protocol for us. Fade out. Peace the fuck out, ladies and gentlemen. Stay safe out there. Be sure to check out check out those South by Southwest films on Amazon Prime. Do it. All right.